Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we can sing uh, these songs and express our praise to you. Uh, we can also declare your holiness, and uh, we're just so grateful that we have a God who is not bound by earthly limitations, um, bound in any way, and that uh, we have a God who loves us and who knows us and who has called us, and we just thank you so much that this morning uh, we can gather as your bride, as your church, and we want to hear now, God, what you have to say to us through your word. I pray for the people in this congregation. Uh, some have lost a loved one this week. Some have gone through different struggles. And, and some are just in a place where they need direction and leading. So I pray that even just by us gathering like this this morning, that you would use this time to speak and to allow us to hear. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would, that you would give us ears now and eyes and heart uh, to listen and to understand. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, today we are wrapping up our series from the book of Colossians or the letter of Colossians, and, and we uh, have been taking a unique approach uh, to this letter. Uh, we've said all along that we're going to try really hard to not preach application, um, and so I've, I've made a big effort to do that, and I have failed miserably a few times, and I'm probably going to fail again today. But the goal has still been, as much as possible, um, to do this in a way that we learn to listen to Scripture. And I'm very grateful. I had a meeting with some, some people the other day, and I just felt so affirmed um, by them. Um, out of nowhere, they just shared that this had been something that has also taught them to listen in their own private time of reading Scripture, and that, that is exciting. Now, if you're asking yourself why this way, um, I've said this at the, in the other sermons, and so I won't go into too much, but you all know that there are times where we hear a few things, and instead of listening to exactly what was being said, um, we kind of jump into conclusion. We sort of already look at, like, well, what's, what am I supposed to do with this, and what am I being told? And very, very often, uh, you also can, or we all can, completely misunderstand what was being said. Now, I love you, and I'm so grateful because you help me so much with sermon illustrations sometimes. And all of you last week, well, not all of you, but a number of you last week, um, you gave me a sermon illustration with this exact point in mind. Uh, last week, I mentioned about, you know, I said, I'm standing over here, and, and we're talking about how Paul was saying, you know, like the, the thing that sometimes leads to a goal becomes the goal. And then I said, well, let me illustrate it for you. And I said, I personally don't think drinking is good. And then we talked about how, you know, very quickly we can end up over here and where we would actually say, you can't be a Christian if you're drinking, you can't be a member of the church. Do you know how many of you have referenced me in saying Pastor Ike says drinking is a sin? And so uh, I've heard that numerous times now. So there, thank you very much, you made my point. Sometimes we struggle to listen and to really understand and so if that can happen, I know I misspeak up here often, and so I don't blame you too, too much, but thank you for the illustration. I appreciate it. Um, but this is, I think, an indicator of how easy it is for us to sometimes uh, misunderstand or not listen carefully. I don't know about you, but I have in my home, there's been times where I'm like, you know, I would say to Maria, someone like, why would you say that? And there, my, Maria's looking, I did not say that. And I'm like, yeah, you just said that. And then and she's like, no, I didn't say that. And I look at the kids like, come on, help your dad out. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mom didn't say that. 
And I'm like, no, I just heard her say this. No, no, not at all. So I've been married now for quite a while. I'm learning that as soon as she says I didn't say that, don't tell her this, but I would just believe her automatically. But don't tell her that. I don't, I don't need all of a sudden saying, hey, I, you heard, I heard you say that we're going to do this, this, and this. And so, but anyway, uh, so today we're going to do what we've been doing the whole time um, in this series. We're going to read through Scripture. So if you have your Bibles with you, open it to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read a pretty good chunk and if you know me at all, um, I have dyslexia, so reading can be a little bit uh, of a struggle sometimes. But hopefully, even if there are some baubles, that causes us to listen more carefully because we're not here to just hear someone read perfectly. Um, but please follow along. Uh, so if you have your app, the, uh, the church app, you can find the notes in there. And I just simply stuck all the, the verses into there. Or whatever you use, I would love for you to use your Bible because later on we're going to go back and we're going to go through these verses uh, more slowly and to see what exactly they um, are saying. And so um, Colossians chapter 3, we're going to read all the way from um, verse 1 to chapter 4, verse 6. And so we've got some reading to do here this morning and so um, let's, let's start. Chapter 3, verse 1. Since then... You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desires, and greeds, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self, which with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to, the Father, to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you 
and to curry their favor, but with the sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid with, for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Master, sorry, masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Whoo! So now, let's go back through that in about 26 minutes without application. Easy. So there's a lot in that passage, and you might wonder why I paused where we did. Um, the rest of the letter, I would encourage you to read it. Um, we'll reference it a little bit, but the rest of the letter really is uh, a much more personal greeting. It's information that's very, very beneficial to us, um, but it wouldn't really, um, it's going to be difficult to really understand uh, in, our, in our time today, but I would encourage you to read it, um, but I just didn't really see how to present it today um, so that it was, would be um, worthwhile. So, like I said, we're wrapping up this book. We're wrapping up this letter today. And I want you to, I hope you've heard that today. If you've been is tracking with me, then today you heard a massive transition in Paul's approach to writing. Something is changing. Uh, there's a new or there's a different way that he wants us to think things through. Much of the focus that Paul has had up to this point in the, Latin, the first two chapters um, was about, you know, looking back and not falling back into our old way of thinking. Uh, this week, there's a shift. Um, last week, Paul looked, you know, at statements, or we looked at some of the uh, statements that Paul made, statements like, since you died with Christ. And there's this whole idea that this is something that's already been put to death with Christ, so stop bringing it back up. Stop going back to it. Stop living as if though you still have to somehow earn your way into heaven. And today we will see that his focus is now, instead of so much on the death of Christ, us dying with Christ, today the focus is on the resurrection. So grab hold of your, word, your, your scripture as we go through this, because like last week, I'm not going to take time to you know, um, point out every verse. I'm just going to read them, and I'm trusting that you're just scanning along uh, with your Bible. So we see the difference here, and I hope you saw it. You know, last week, we're, we're like asked to you know, put, you know, not return to man-made rules and not to go back to legalism, and now we're being challenged to look ahead to see who we are in what Jesus has done. So he starts right off, chapter 3, verse 1. There's a few words that I want you to have ringing in your head the entire um, sermon and also constantly from here on as you uh, journey forward in your relationship with Jesus. The two words that I want you to hear here is since then. 
Paul could have just as easily said, therefore. But he says, since then. Since then what? Well, since then what we talked about last week. So if you're not supposed to return to, you know, trying to earn your salvation, trying to go back to, you know, living um, to please certain self-righteous people who may cause you to, you know, wrestle with their rules because, man, they made all these man-made rules and they make themselves look so good and so holy and, and now they're making you feel bad. And Paul said last week, you've, you've died with Christ. You've died to all of that. So you're not bound to those rules anymore. You're not bound to that way. Salvation is in Jesus. We said last week that Jesus is the measuring stick of our, our, our salvation, not some rules. So now Paul is saying, so since then, therefore, if that's not the way you're supposed to live, then how should we live? What should we be focused on? He says, since then, or therefore, you have been raised with Christ. This is at the heart of what Paul wants them to hear. Not only, have they, not only have their sins been paid for by the death of Jesus, not only have they died with Christ, they have been raised with Christ. Paul wants the church to have a raised with Christ outlook, view, or attitude towards being a Jesus follower. Everything that you hear from this point on in chapter 3, verse 1, is in light of this raised with Christ. And I want you to have these words ringing through your head. That you as a Jesus follower need to have a raised with Christ approach to living. Not just a put to death, everything put to death. So we'll talk about this a little bit. But many people, Paul I think is saying to many people here, stop having only a died approach to life. Yes, you died. Your old is dead. You are no longer who you once were. Your sin has been paid for. You have surrendered and submitted yourself to Jesus. However, just like Jesus did not stay dead, you did not stay dead. So stop living as if you are only a person who has died. Paul says here, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Now what? Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. The resurrection happened. And when Jesus rose from the dead, we need to hear that it did not only affect him, but it also, by us submitting to him, we have also been raised with Christ. We also have new life in him. Therefore, their hearts must now be set on things above where Christ is. They must also have a mindset on where Christ is, not on earthly things. So in the following verses, Paul tells them that due to having been raised with Christ, it is time for them to live or to be alive in Christ, which means that they need to do two things. So a life in Christ means that they need to put away and they need to put on. They need to put away, and they need to put on. And we're going to look at these, and you're going to see how this plays out in the next few verses. So there are certain things that they do need to put away as part of being raised with Christ, but then there are also some things that they need to put on as being part in, in their raised with Christ life. So let's look at the first one, put, put away. This is from verses 5 to 11. Because they are raised with Christ, 
Paul tells them to put to death whatever belongs to their earthly nature. He is clear, this list is in opposition of who they are now. Because they are now a raised with Christ person, there are some things that they just simply cannot return to. He says, you used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. Notice the past tense. So why would you now live that way? So put those things away. Due to being raised with Christ, there is no longer, this is no longer who they are and this is no longer what they should be living according to. I am purposely not going to go through the list that he makes. There's a couple of them there that he, that he gives. And the reason for that is I don't want us getting stuck on one of those. You know, if I mention it, you're going to be like, oh yeah, that's the one I am still struggling with. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're stuck on the application. We're stuck on thinking about that. Rather, I want us to hear that this is who we used to be. I want us to hear the contrast between the used to life and the since then life. There's a big change here. This is the stuff you used to do. But since then, now that you are raised with Christ, we must have a different approach to how we live. Paul is very clear that these two, the used to and the since then, these two are not even close to being the same. This is a completely different person. We need to take this list serious. We need to look at it. We need to make sure that we don't have those <clears throat> in our lives or are living out those things that are on this list. But at the heart of this list is a more simple challenge than just our behavior. At the heart of this list, Paul is not trying, us, trying to tell us to just behave differently. He wants us to recognize that this isn't done out of obligation. We don't do these things that are on this list just because we, we shouldn't or out of obligation. But this should be how we want to live since we've been raised with Christ. Putting these things away is not out of obligation. It's not out of guilt. It's not out of duty in a sense. It is out of an approach to living that comes with the understanding that we have been raised with Christ. We need, like I said, to take this list serious. But we need to hear the heart behind why we should take this list serious. But he goes beyond just this list of things that we should put away and in the sense of behavior, he also describes how they are to view one another. He starts in verse 11 by saying, here, here. Well, where's here? Here in the since then life, in the raised with Christ life approach to, to our way of living now. Here, Paul wants them to use them, them and I believe us to hear that since we have been raised with Christ, it is more than just a ticket to heaven. It is more than just changing some behaviors in our lives. It literally changes everything. It erases racial lines and prejudices. It erases man-made traditions, how they view outsiders. There is no inferiority of one class to another. Men and women of completely different origins are gathered in unity in Christ or through Christ, sharing a common allegiance to the Lord. Christ is all that matters. Rather, regardless of race, 
class, background, or their earthly values. Look at what he says here. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, and he goes on. When we have been raised with Christ, those are erased. It is Christ that matters. He must be the one that we see. So a raised with Christ's life, never as a fellow believer, would ever discriminate or put down another person because we recognize that we are all raised with Christ and therefore we are in Christ together. They must not only put away sinful behavior, but they must also put away the notion of rating one another based on human standards. This approach requires them to see that Christ is all and is in all. So that's the first part. Those are the things that they need to put away. Now they need to put on. Second part, chapter 3, verse 12 to um, chapter 4, verse 1. Paul now moves them into the second part of what it means to be raised with Christ. Therefore, as God's chosen people, he says, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Now let's stop there. Because again, I don't want you to immediately jump to the list, and I want you to listen to what he is saying here. I want to be careful, because if we go to the list, again, some of you are going to immediately pull out some invisible little scale and to see, well, how well am I doing on this scale? So let's look at these words again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Now, did you hear what Paul said? How many of you are hearing this? I have a feeling, sorry, little assumption here, I have a feeling many of you just kept reading. What are we supposed to clothe ourselves with? What's this list of things that we're supposed to clothe yourself with? And if you are doing that, you're missing a key part of the verse. So I know this is annoying, but let's read it again. Listen carefully. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourselves. What did you hear? See? Heard it. Clothe yourselves. Do something. You're missing it. See, we immediately want to go to what should I do? What should I, what, okay, I need to clothe myself. Well, tell me with what, because I know, no, I'm supposed to clothe myself. But you're missing what he's saying if you're immediately jumping to the action. So I've asked Jason if he would throw up on the screen the words I want you to hear. Therefore, next one, please. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. There are three descriptions that Paul gives to us here today. And so many people never see those descriptions. All they hear what they're supposed to do. So look at this. The first one is God's chosen people. Now, I'm not about to get into the debate of like the elect and all those kind of things, and, and there's you know, valid discussion around you know, who are these chosen people. So I have the microphone, so I'll give you what I think this means. I believe that God so loved the world, and therefore all humanity has been chosen by God. That no one should ever need to die in sin. So debate aside, who this group is and all that, you must understand today, if you've given your life to God, that you have been chosen by God. 
Second Peter verse three, chapter three, verse nine tells us that God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish. So we need to hear here that God chose us. So hear this carefully. So therefore, you clothe yourself not to be chosen, but as one who is already chosen. That's what a raised with Christ approach to life looks like. That you don't do these things, so hopefully now God will be pleased with me and let me into heaven. God chose you. So now you clothe yourself as one who has already been chosen. Look at the next word. Holy. The word holy here refers to a pure person. This is not about being perfect. Holy is what God makes you. Perfect is what you try to do. We are holy because of what Jesus did. Therefore, you clothe yourself not to become holy, but as one who is holy. Dearly loved. They are dearly loved, not only by the Apostle Paul, but more importantly, by God, by Jesus. So do not put away or put on any of the things that are on these lists so that somehow you will earn God's love. Paul says here, clothe yourself because you are dearly loved. Clothe yourself as one who is already dearly loved. And suddenly, the things that are on that list read very differently. Part of being chosen, part of being holy, part of being dearly loved means to consider, is considering moving beyond just the outward. He wants us to recognize that by being chosen, by being holy, by being dearly loved, we should let the peace of Christ dwell in us and rule our hearts. It's more than just about behavior. It is about how you view yourself and how you live with yourself. He launches into a passage that is so well known. But don't forget that this comes out of this resurrection life approach. Because we have been raised with Christ, we can now have peace. We can be thankful. The gospel can dwell among us richly. We can admonish one another, meaning to instruct, to put to mind, to warn one another in order to grow in Christ. To admonish is not the same as rebuke. We admonish one another, he says here, through worship, by singing together like we did this morning. We are called to worship out of gratitude, being led by the Holy Spirit. All of this again, whether word or deed, is not about us. It is all done in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the, the Father through him. And then in verse 14, I mean verse 18, Paul makes another shift. The raised with Christ approach to life does not apply only when you are among your fellow brothers and sisters in church. It goes into the personal areas of their home, in every part of their lives. Here, Paul mentions wives, husbands, children, fathers, slaves, and masters. And all of them must now also live in this raised with Christ approach to life. So in your home, Christ must be all in all, in all. This is the place from which we view and treat one another in our homes. Like the, earthly, um, the earlier list that Paul mentions, again, I want to be careful 
that we don't get stuck on some of these. And so we need to be careful that we don't just look again at application and, and what we should do with it, but truly understanding what is it that we need to hear in these verses. And I know some of you are nervous. You're actually going to go to these. Yes, let's do it. Wives. Men, you can just be quiet for a moment. Wives. Submit yourself to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Let's move on. Kidding. Kidding. Let me ask you very honestly, wives, what did you just hear? What did you just hear? Seems so easy, right? Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Which word popped out at you as I read that? See, I think the reality is that many times we get stuck on the word submit. And I have had conversations with people many, many times around this word, but luckily today we're not talking about application, so I don't need to tell you what I think this passage means. But I want us to listen carefully. What words pop out? What if not only submit would jump out at us? What if also a word like yourselves jumped out at us? What if you as wives and husbands would hear this word, yourselves, meaning this is something that is done willingly, meaning this is something that she has control over, something that she has say over. What if also she hears and you as husbands hear, as is fitting in the Lord, meaning that submission must fit in with how Jesus views her and gifted her. What if those words also need to be heard? So I want to say something strong here, and I hope you hear my heart behind this. We need to hear that what Paul says here is that when a woman gets married, Jesus is not replaced by the husband. And this is something that I know for most of you here is not a concern. But we hear sometimes of people who are like, well, if my husband won't do this, and if my husband won't do this, and if my husband won't do devotions, and if he won't pray, and if all this stuff, nothing happens. That's not submission. Anyway, now we're getting into the application. See, this is hard. Okay? We need to remember, wives, that Christ is all and is in all. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. What are you hearing? Like, oh, this is easy. We're talking obviously about romantic love, right? No, no, no. It's more than that. I love, though, I want to say this and genuinely mean this. I love that I know that I am speaking to a room full of so many incredible husbands. There are so many amazing husbands in this room. And we need to understand that Paul was writing this to a time when that was not the case. Paul was writing to a time when so many husbands saw their wives as inferior. They saw them as less than. And so Paul tells these husbands, you need to love your wives. Now we hear that. That's something we hear so many times. The words that we may not always hear as much as do not be harsh with them. The word harsh here goes beyond physical violence, which is obviously a no-no. The word harsh here means to turn sour. To make bitter. Husbands, there are many ways in which we can be harsh with our wives. 
And Paul tells the husbands here that love needs to be something that is acted on, that is expressed, that is not harsh, that doesn't turn your wife sour, that doesn't make her bitter. Loving her is something that every husband must do. This would have been radical to the people back then. A couple things I want to note. This is a little application. That we must recognize that both submission and love require that they be freely given. If someone is forced to submit, it's no longer submission. They are now being dominated. And if someone is forced to love, that's just not how love works. Now suddenly, it feels like an obligation which almost always results in some resentment and bitterness. Submission and love must both be willingly given. And Paul challenges the children. If you're a child here, you're getting off easier. To be nice to your parents and obey them because this pleases the Lord. Application aside, we could say, and if you don't, then obviously God's displeased with you. Watch out. Don't preach that. <laughs> Fathers, don't be harsh. Don't, be, don't engage with your children in such a way that they are discouraged. And then Paul tackles a very difficult topic for us in 2023. He speaks directly to slaves and masters. And many people today, we try to gloss over these words and we say, well, no, these words are so that we can apply them today being an employee and an employer. No. Paul is speaking to slaves and masters. Yes, there are some passages here that we can apply, but we need to understand that Paul is directly speaking to people who are slaves and who are masters. And if you really want to hear Paul's heart on this topic, I would encourage you to read the letter of Philemon together with this portion of, of, of Scripture. If you jump to chapter 4, verse 9 in Colossians, you find, you read about this man named Onesimus. And he is mentioned as a dear brother and as one of the people who is carrying the letter to the church in Colossians on behalf of Paul. If you read the book of Philemon, there you meet the same Onesimus. He was a slave. And Paul is writing to reconcile this relationship. He's writing to Philemon, who is the master of Onesimus, and he's telling Onesimus, he is now a dear brother, so you should let him go. That's the heart behind what Paul is writing here. But what is he saying to these slaves? So while the topic of slavery is difficult for us, Paul at the same time encourages the slaves to not see their situation as something that can keep them from having and living out the resurrected life. He reminds them that their slavery will not prevent them from inheriting or receiving their inheritance from the Lord as a reward. What an encouragement this must have been to the slaves at that time. For Paul to say to them, your master cannot keep you from getting and receiving the inheritance that is coming when you go to heaven. To the masters, Paul reminds them that they too have a master. But if you look at this carefully, you'll notice something. He wants the masters here on earth to recognize that they have a master, but that master is written about with a capital M. They have a capital M master in heaven. Therefore, they must provide what is right and fair for their slaves. Now, I know all of us, 
We would love if Paul would have come out and said, slavery is evil and it is awful, and we wonder why he didn't. But at the heart here, you do see Paul transitioning people towards equality. In chapter 4, verses 2 to 6, Paul gives them some more instructions. They've been challenged to live as those who are raised with Christ. And now as he nears the end of the letter, Paul speaks to them in a very personal way. They should devote themselves to prayer, he says. They should also be told to be cautious by being watchful, but at the same time, not to forget to be thankful. They are encouraged to pray for Paul and others who are in prison with him. Paul's plea for prayer is not on a personal level, but rather that he would always be able to make use of every opportunity to share the gospel, that doors would be open for him to share the faith in a new way. They are challenged to be wise with outsiders. The word wise here does not mean to be cautious. Rather, wisdom is in knowing how to best present the gospel so that they do not squander an opportunity. And as they encounter outsiders, non-believers, they should be wise by making sure that their conversations are full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And at the heart of this is to always proclaim the gospel in everything that they do. And like I said before, the rest of the gospel or the rest of the letter is more of a personal address to people in the church, and so we're not going to take time to go through that. And so there we have it. We finished the letter of Colossians. And my prayer for you is this. My prayer is that this series has helped you to listen differently, to hear. I also want to encourage you to apply this to your personal time of reading Scripture. That we would not only read to see, well, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? But like today, where we are so tempted to just jump to clothe yourself, we would recognize some of the other words that are in that passage that describe who we are, what we have in Christ, and that out of that, we would be challenged or we would be um, encouraged to live out our faith. So like the last few weeks, I want to close today again, not with a song, but by reading Scripture together. So we're going to read Colossians chapter 3, 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump to verse 15 to 17. And as we read this, I trust that this would just be a, a words that we would want to declare here today out loud with, uh, with one another to God. And so let's stand and let's read these words together. <clears throat> let's start. Chapter 3, verse 1. Since then... You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. And of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of, from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that as we go from here today, that this letter would be 
uh, one that stays with us. That today, as we, even as we leave here, that we would recognize ourselves as those who have been raised with you. We are so grateful that you died for us. We are so grateful that our sins died with you, that we were buried with you. But we are just so incredibly blessed and grateful that we've also been raised with you. That we have this victory. And that it is ours through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So I pray now for someone here that is maybe living stuck with this idea that they have to just constantly, constantly have a negative view of themselves. Lord, I pray that today they would have hope in recognizing that they have been chosen, that they are holy, and that they are dearly loved. So we would go from here with that in mind. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.